Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Cabbage Corp podcast began. Hey, this is Josh. And this is Christian. And welcome to the Cabbage Corp podcast. The Cabbage Corp podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Head to anchor.fm slash cabbagecorppod to find the podcast app of your choice. Also, for our Korean listeners, don't worry, we are also on Podbang. If you like this episode, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. We love to hear from all of you guys, so leave comments and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Welcome to the Cabbage Core Podcast here on this election special. Just kidding. <laughs> we're talking about Avatar, y'all. Uh, we're back here. Uh, this is Josh and uh, Christian. Tell us what happened last week. So uh, last week we left off on episode 14 where we met Aunt Wu, the fortune teller. Your favorite. <laughs> my, my, no, kind of, yes, my favorite. Um, and then this week we're going to co- cover episode 15, 16, and 17. And for a recap of our power rankings as of now, Aang is still in the lead with three, but yes. it was... Um, Sokka on the comeback trail mm-hmm. with uh, two points, one behind the Avatar himself. So <laughs> what the hell is going on? I don't uh, know. Katara and Sokka, Katara, sure. Yeah, I saw that coming, being a close second, but Sokka is gaining? Yes. This is strange. Sokka is um, essentially Nevada and Pennsylvania right now. <laughs> he's, 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 he's looking to turn blue, y'all, so okay. we'll see. But these next couple of episodes... Oh my god, I love that. Um, yeah, so Sokka is... A tie score with Katara and Uncle Iroh right now. Yeah. And Zuko, you know, Zuko's the one. Zuko's at one. But I think it's because right now he's not getting a lot of FaceTime. Yeah, okay. Zuko is going to become like almost a dominant force, I think, in the future. My yes. prediction. I think book one is just building the trio up. Right, right. You and know? there's, I think, we're right to give Uncle Iroh the, couple, the two points that he has right now because... He's essentially just support for the rest. Of, I mean, he is the biggest support to anybody. Mm-hmm. But I think the episodes that he's gotten points for, it's been um, like particularly special what he's done for Zuko. Yes, and yes. for the team. So whenever we see him, it's like a constant support yeah. to Zuko. So he can't, <laughs> yeah. he can't help it. He kind of he kind of got a little uh, little pervy streak coming. I know. <laughs> little Piontail and Galairo. You know what? A man has needs. Let me just say that, okay? And Uncle Iroh is a. Uh, you know, a man has needs. That's, that's, all, that's all I gotta say. Uncles have needs too. <laughs> all right, and then we also have the Avatar State total. He went, Aang went into the Avatar State last. Once. Yes, one time last week. So it is a total of five times. Hit the ding, Christian. Do the thing. Okay. <laughs> all right, so let's get into episode 15. Episode 15 starts off when the trio stumble upon a water tribe boat and reunite with Bato, a good friend of Sokka and Katara's father. They all stay at an abbey where Bato has been, and as they talk about the past, Aang starts to feel insecure with his friendships with Katara and Sokka. When a letter from Sokka and Katara's father comes, telling them of their location, Aang hides it from them because of his fear of leaving him. It causes them to split ways. However, Bato shares some words that convinces Sokka that Aang is who they need to be with. Meanwhile, Zuko and Uncle Iroh meet June and her Shirshu, 
and pay her to find the trio using Katara's necklace. The episode ends when the trio and Zuko meet, and because of Sokka's brilliant plan, they are able to get away, but not before Aang is able to get Katara's necklace back. Our favorite quotes from the episode. Chief Okoda, Sokka and Katara's dad. Being a man is knowing where you're needed most. And for you right now, that's here protecting your sister. Uncle Iroh. He means no offense. I'm certain you bathe regularly. <laughs> Bato. They were my family and being apart from them was more painful than my wounds. These are really good, like three male figures, like role models. This is a great, this is a great selection of quotes. Yes. Positive male role models. Yeah. Who have um, shaped our our like our male characters' lives in this? Mm-hmm. Um, this is this our first time we see um, Chief Okoda Saka Saka's father in in the flesh? Like it was in a flashback here, but this might be the first time I think we get to see him. Yeah, and I think we, this is the first time we see any connection with the Water Tribe because we haven't really talked about the Water Tribe. Other than when they were at the South Pole in the first two episodes. That was it. And then we just kind of moved on. We're exploring the rest of the Avatar Mm -hmm. universe. But this was nice because it brings them back to kind of Katara and Sokka's roots and how they were raised. At least how Sokka was raised in terms of like the man and how he's supposed to act. So I really like um, the first quote from Katara and Sokka's dad. Yeah. And you know what? At first when I saw it, I was like, it's a little preachy, but... Once you, like, see the episode through, you're just like, this is why Sokka is why he is, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and how he's acting, who he's trying to become. Yeah. And um, it just shows you the, the what a positive male role model can do in your life. Uncle Iroh uh, is cleaning <laughs> after Zuko, after Zuko's like, get out of here, you peasant filth. I know. And then Uncle Iroh's just apologizing to to people as as they, as, uh, they, they run through a bar, which is... Uh, Kind of a nice um, juxtaposition between the two father figures in their life. Yeah, and I think it really balances them out really yes. well. Because I think for Sokka, in this case, we find out that Sokka wants to go with his dad to fight the war with him. But Sokka's dad kind of just tells him, like, this is where you're needed. And I think um, for Sokka, that was something really hard for him. But something he knew that... He knew it was true too. At the same time, like he couldn't go with his, like with his dad, and I think right, it really, right, right. yeah, and I think it set the tone for the whole episode, because it talked about like where someone needs you at that time, and I think for Katara and Sokka, they needed to be with Aang, and for Uncle Iroh in this case, like he needs to be with Zuko for him to go to. So it's, I really like that. Yeah, it's like it's out of all the movie and TV definitions of what being a man is, like this is one of. The more positive ones, this is one of the things that I think is just more helpful to people. Like, where are you needed most? Yeah. And that's where you need to be. That's what that's what being a, the code of masculinity or code of being a man is. And I think that's a really beautiful way to look at um, and grow into what being a man is. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, Sokka, is, he's in good company, he's in good money here. Yeah, and I, I liked the other side of it when Bato says, like, they were my family and being apart from them was more painful than my wounds. It, it shares that, yes... A man is supposed to be where he has to. However, it's not an easy thing to do. Oh, like course. he needs yeah, to be yeah. apart from them for the rest of the group to kind of prosper. To advance, yeah, and yeah. continue. But it's not easy. And I think Bato really shares that to Sokka too. Ba- Bato is a, is a good character. It reminds me of um, 
just like when you meet your your parents friends or even doesn't have to be adult uh, like parents but any adults because like you realize like oh these people have lives outside of being like your direct father or mm-hmm. direct cousin or direct uncle like they actually had like a childhood and they had friends and they have all these hijinks and crazy stories so that's a good way I think for Sokka and Katara to, to relate that their their dad Chief Okoda is like human yes know? Yeah, and I think it was so good for Sokka to experience this too because he hasn't seen them in so long. And for Sokka to just have these male figures, well, for during this time, Bato, this male figure in his life, to kind of remind him of the things that his dad taught him before he left, I think it was really good for Sokka. Yes, totally. And now some more quotes from the episode. Sokka, I want to see Dad, but helping Aang is where we're needed the most. Shaka again. Of course we do, Aang, but you're our family too. And right now, you need us more. Katara, and we need you. So good. Um, we'll get into some more detail into the episode in a bit, but Sokka leading by, yeah. exa- leading by pure um, example, leading the line. And I think um, these are this arc, again, is a good reason Sokka's just a little older. And he's been taught by some of the best grown male mm-hmm. role models. And you see where positive enforcement can lead to when the next generation has to take mm-hmm. on some burden for themselves. Yeah, and I love that first quote from Sokka. Like, it literally gave, gave me chills because Katara is usually the one that leads. Yes. But even in Katara's eyes, you can see she's looking towards Sokka. Like, yeah. what do we do next, Sokka? And I think that shows that, yes, many times Katara does lead. But ultimately, Katara always chooses to listen to her brother when it comes to where should we go. Uh-huh. Because even when they split ways with so- uh, with Aang, Sokka was the one, let's go. And Katara was hesitant, but she followed him. And same thing... When he was like, no, we need to go back. Katara kind of was like, don't you want to see dad? Like, shouldn't we just go with Bato? And he was like, no. And I think that kind of leadership was shown. And that's something we don't really see from Sokka as much. But I think ultimately when it comes down to it, Katara trusts Sokka's decision. Yes. And um, Katara was looking at uh, Sokka on one side and Aang on the other. I was immediately reminded of Jet. And how, like, mm. um, Katara, like, head over heels um, went for Jet's side over Sokka's mm-hmm. side. But, and I think Aang, what he does here is all is also very messed up and, and very, um, you know, it, it hurts the group a lot. Yeah. But I think Sokka in this place is actually growing in this in this point of being the leader of the group in certain ways and, mm-hmm. and, and bringing people together. So... Seeing Katara kind of torn apart like that again and choosing Sokka this time, choosing her family again, I think is a nice development for the the, the crew in general for Team Avatar. Yeah, and I think, um, of course, what Aang did was really bad, but it just showed how insecure he was feeling. Because they were fine. They were a good group. They came from an episode from Aunt Wu. They saved the village together. That was amazing. However... Now, another person joins the group, kind of, in a way. And Aang is all of a sudden feeling really insecure because now he's like, oh, like, I forget that they have their own life. I've been frozen for 100 years. Everybody that I've had in my life or are either dead or super, super old. Like, yeah. he can't really connect with them. But with Sokka and Katara, they already have people in their life. 
And I think he started feeling insecure about that. And so um, I think it was nice to see that side of Aang too, that he was selfish. And that's something we don't really see in Aang a lot. But I think it was really good to see that Aang is still a kid and Sokka and Katara kind of didn't realize what was going on in Aang's head either. Yeah, I mean, I think the selfishness of Aang is interesting here. Mm-hmm. I think whenever Aang is driven by fear, you see the worst parts of him, like most of us are. Um, my thing is, Aang did the worst thing. Mm. Like, this is absolutely the worst thing he could do. It reminds me of, like, when I'm, like, really close, like, with my homies, with my boys. I think to myself sometimes, like, there's really nothing these guys can do to me that will make me break off a friendship. Mm-hmm. And it, the things that I think about that would, like, be, like, oh, like, immediately, like, that's, like, they could punch me in the face and be, like, we'd work it out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no no warning to punch me in the face. I'll be, like, okay, let's talk this out. I don't know what the hell's wrong with you, but we, let's work it out. What Aang does here is one of those things where it's, like, he takes the most intimate, raw emotion they have, the, the one tie of family they have, and he distorts it because yeah. of his own fear, you know? And I think I'm not justifying his feelings. I think what you said before is, is very... I was thinking about all that, you know, he's lost a generation, he's lost his whole civilization. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, severing that connection to uh, Chief Okoda, their father, is so, so messed up. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Uh, I really think the only reason Sokka forgave him and went back was because as much as he knew that he Aang really messed up, Sokka, a side of him, I guess, understood of the feeling of being left alone. And that's because Sokka felt that too. And I think that's the only reason Sokka really went back. And also, like, in the back of his head knowing that if he goes to meet his dad, that's amazing. But he knows he's going to have a guilty conscience thinking, like, oh, but Aang is, like, Aang needs me kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I really think it really wasn't in Sokka's personality to do what he did, to go back to Aang. But it was because of Bato and his father that he went back and forgave him. And I think because of that strong... um, heart i guess Sokka has katara just naturally follows yeah yeah and i think this episode does a great job maybe it's a little on the nose sometimes but i think everything does get brought together um powerfully at the end and maybe Sokka needs Sokka and katara need that over the top like you have to understand what ang is doing kind of thing like when bato says like being apart from my family was more painful and then they start triggering the memories of ang losing his whole airbending family mm-hmm. Like forever, I think they start to realize like, oh, this is where it's coming from. And to their credit, to these young kids' credit, like they really, um, they really forge a forge a more powerful bond from this, and they and they 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 continue, which is um, a lot of credit needs to be given. Episode 16. The episode starts off when the trio decide to attend the Fire Days Festival, where Aang accidentally reveals that he is the Avatar. As the trio start to run away, a man named Che. A former Fire Nation soldier helped them try to escape. Che introduces them to Zhang Zhang, the deserter, a former firebender general who refuses to teach Aang, but quickly changes his mind when Avatar Roku decides to say a couple words. When Aang learns to firebend, he unfortunately burns Katara's hands in the process. Meanwhile, Admiral Zhao hears word about the Avatar at the festival and seeks him out. As Zhang Zhang and Zhao meet, we find out Zhang Zhang 
was Zhao's teacher. The episode ends when the trio once again ride off on Appa, and we find out that Katara's hands have been completely healed thanks to her newfound ability to heal with water. Sokka. You want to walk into a Fire Nation town when they're all fired up with all their, you know, fire? Zhang Zhang. To master the bending disciplines, you must first master discipline itself. But you have no interest in this, so I have no interest in you. Another quote from Zhang Zhang. Before learning firebending, you must learn water and earth. Water is cool and soothing. Earth is steady and stable. But fire, fire is alive. It breathes, it grows. Without the bender, a rock will not throw itself. But fire will spread and destroy everything in its path if one does not have the will to control it. So Sokka, I mean, let's get this over with. <laughs> he, he loves some fire, fire puns. Um, well, eventually we'll see uh, Sokka pretend to be a Fire Nation father at the end of... Oh uh, my God. It, was, it wasn't it Hotman. Was He's perfect. like, Mr. What, what, did he, what did he name himself? I'm pretty sure it's like Hotman or like Fire... It was fire... like Fire... Fireman. Oh, yeah, no. it was something okay. ridiculous. Keep talking, Christian. I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna look at oh this. Oh my up. god, it was so good. So good, but so I, good. I really like this quote because he's being really realistic. He's like, "Why are we going into this Fire Nation village? Like we're wanted fugitives right now. Oh. I don't understand." But it's funny because I think this quote is what somebody his age would say. Like, he's so flabbergasted that these two want to go into this Fire Nation village. <laughs> And they're they're just he's just like you know with all their fire why would you why would you go there emphasis on the fire <laughs> I you know what I and listeners please DM us if we're incorrect on this but I think Saka says yes I'm Mr Fire like he like <laughs> calls himself Mr Fire when he's when he's lying about being angst at oh okay Saka just it's it's a good joke it's incredible Saka is uh, winning our hearts let's get to Jung Jung because I feel like this. Man, we learned so much about firebending in this um, this episode. Yes. We see the kind of uh, reluctant teacher kind of trope come to pass. Mm-hmm. But he's just like super interesting from the jump, right? Like people yes. are like, he's a legend, he's a legend. And then we get there and then we haven't often faced a time where people are unwilling to help the Avatar. Especially mm-hmm. when they're not on the Fire Nation side, right? But I think that really gives us a, a perspective on like, what makes this guy tick? Like he doesn't even fight anymore, and he's terrified of his own power. Yeah. Which is new to new of any firebender we've ever seen. Yeah. New of any bender we've seen so far, actually. Yeah. But I think that's having insight on what firebending can do because, kind of, we've talked about it briefly, but it's it's fire is different from all the other elements. Yes. It's something that's really hard to control. So the people that do have that ability they need to be super disciplined and strict but when firebenders aren't it causes immense amount of chaos and we see that from the fire nation like the fire lord like he is very disciplined in some ways but when it comes to his wrath and his anger we see there's no discipline even with his kids right right so i feel like zhang zhang really um sets the tone of us learning what firebending really is. This and, should be respected. Yes. This should be feared. Yeah. Um, and it's not just something that is like cool and should automatically set like an authority figure. It's like, no, this is something that's so dangerous that it needs to be taken with a lot of caution. Right. And I really like this because it didn't remind me of Uncle Iroh in a lot of 
situations of just how Uncle Iroh is very wise and is very disciplined, but at the same time understands his power, but doesn't flaunt it. Yeah. And I think this is this episode's a good example of Aang being not perfect. You mm, know? Yes. I think he shows... Uh, he does kind of show a lack of respect, which I haven't really seen around bending before, but we'll see. We'll soon see it again mm-hmm. when he goes gets to the Northern Water Tribe. But bending that is not immediately um, because maybe like even the air ball that he makes like is kind of rooted in fun. That I think Ang doesn't offer the the same amount of respect that I think he should for mm-hmm. elements of fire. We see that again in in Earth again when. Uh, when Toph tries to teach him yeah. earthbending, he doesn't. He thinks it's so out of his wheelhouse that he's he's um, he's kind of like treats it kind of too carelessly. Right? Yeah, and I think also this is the first time Aang has had. I mean, of course, Katara has tried to help with water bending, but this is the like a proper teacher. Yes, the first time, and he so, doesn't listen. Yeah, yeah I know, yeah, and yeah. I think that shows his. Very stubborn side, too. But Aang really doesn't listen to any of his masters first. Yeah, I think the only reason why he listens to Katara is because he like, kind of yeah, likes yeah, her. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, we were friends before. Yeah, like, shout out Master Paco. We'll see him in a second. Master Paco's like, this guy sucks. <laughs> I know. But Jung Jung is, I mean, he tells us more about it, right? So he's like, you need to you need to master every element before you get to fire. Mm-hmm. Which is ex- exactly what Aang ends up doing because he's so scared of it. But if he says, water is cool and soothing, earth is steady and stable... But fire, fire is alive. Yeah. So, I mean, John Jung's literally talking about what the Avatar has to do um, because for an airbender or even not, just a not fire um, Avatar, he needs to, he or she needs to master all the elements before fire because fire is so volatile. Yes. And also, firebending, it should be noted, and we'll go into detail when we cover all the bending arts in an episode. Firebending is the only, um, only element that, uh, is not manipulating other parts of nature. Like it's mm-hmm. cre- you, firebenders can create fire as opposed to waterbenders need water to waterbend. Earthbenders need rock to to, to earthbend, mm-hmm. and airbenders air bend the air around them. But mm-hmm. firebenders have the unique ability amidst all the benders to create the element itself. And I think that what that's what makes it very scary. Yes. Because like it said, it said. For rock, without the bender, a rock will not throw itself. Right. But with fire, it's like if you were to light something on fire after it's lit, if you aren't able to control that, it can just do its own thing. It just continues. Yes. Right. And, and destroys. Yeah. And that's not something you can do with any of the other elements. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is such a... Okay. We'll, t- we'll talk about it in a bit mm-hmm. because I, I really like this episode. Some more quotes in the episode. Avatar Roku. You think I am weak. I have mastered the elements a thousand times in a thousand lifetimes. Now I must do it once again. You will teach the Avatar firebending. Sokka. I told you we shouldn't mess around with this. Look what you did. You burned my sister. Aang. Zhang Zhang said you had no restraint. Oof. Okay, so we see the kind of Avatar, past life of Avatars appearing once again. Mm -hmm. So... Have we we saw this with Kyo? No, and this is the second time we see Roku do this. Yes. And eventually, we will see Avatar Kyoshi come up as well in this similar context. Just kind of take the form of Ang, take Ang's form for for a split second yeah. to to impart a message to relay something, and we get the Avatar music come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's super powerful when it happens. I don't even know if Ang truly 
is triggering it himself or if there's something spiritually behind all the avatars that like once they're so offended by something or need to talk mm -hmm. they just kind of erupt out of nowhere and then take the body of Aang himself yeah and I, don't, possess him. I really don't think Aang does anything here because even after he didn't realize what just happened but he was grinning kind of so I'm not, I think maybe he, he, he kind of knew it was happening because like Jung was like yes I'll teach you and then Aang is like grinning so I don't know if that's supposed to mean like Aang was just like happy that he changed his mind, mm -hmm. but it was kind of like a mischievous grin to me. So mm. maybe mm -hmm. it is like he understands that it's happening, but he can't he can't trigger it himself. It was really interesting to see Avatar Roku just come out. Yes, like it was not something that like was built up. It wasn't anything crazy. He just right, came right. out of nowhere, and I think that goes to show that there really is a huge connection with the. Their past, past lives, lives. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's not something that we see often. We don't see that happen much. in Korra at all. Mm -hmm. I think we see it happen with Aang, and this is the kind of avatar Aang is because he is the most spiritually connected. Yeah, and so maybe there that allows the other avatar spirits more license to come out and, and help him at this time. Uh -huh. The time we've seen him come out was uh, when he's stuck inside the fire, um, the fire sage's temple, right? Yeah. And he comes and out and like essentially comes goes avatar state mm -hmm. he doesn't the eyes are not glowing he doesn't show any, any sign of force but the transition is really sudden but beautiful right because john mm -hmm. is like i will not teach you you have no discipline and he fire bends the candles that are he's like sitting around up until they completely go out and as soon as it goes out the light of avatar roku yeah. just erupts. and i think this i love these parts because it really builds up the lore and mythology of what an avatar actually is mm -hmm. you know this is a very much um it's a show and tale at the same time, which is like Roku appears out of nowhere. So you're like, oh my God, Aang is actually connected with, really connected mm -hmm. with all his past lives. And then Roku goes on to just like dunk on this guy, yeah. which is like, I've mastered all the elements a thousand times in a thousand lifetimes. Like, who are you to deny the Avatar um, his teaching? Yeah, and I think it really kind of sets Zhang Zhang in his place in some yes. way because he's very disrespectful to Aang. And of course, he's a kid. But I think we, even me, like I forget that he is an avatar and it's in this world, the avatar is like a god, Yes. you know? Yeah, yeah. And the fact that like Zhang Zhang dismisses him like that, I'm sure like the past lives were triggered by this very rude right. encounter when Aang is trying to do what he's been called to do. And I think that's what triggered Roku, Avatar Roku to come out. Yeah, you know, and I think that's that's kind of, you're, you hit a great point, which is like, people have been rude to Aang before, but no one has been, no one who has been rude in the past has been so pivotal to the Avatar's journey that yeah. the other spirits would be like, what the heck are you doing? Like, you need to help this the Avatar. You know what's at stake right here. Mm -hmm. yeah. So great scene. Um, oh man, this the Sokka quote is heartbreaking, as is um, Katara just really being burned mm -hmm. um, by Aang for the first time. Like, really bad couple episodes for Aang here. Yeah. Because Aang is so happy that he's starting to firebend and does like this kind of, he like releases his palms, right? And like into like this fire, blazing fire circle mm -hmm. that comes out. The pure strength of that is immense, right? And in his joy, he burns Katara as yeah. like his best friend here. Um, and she's completely horrified and Sokka doesn't know what to do with him. He's yeah. so upset he tackles Aang to the ground I forgot mm -hmm. that happened he tackles Aang and puts his face in the dirt and it's like what the hell are you doing yeah and I think we've never seen an encounter with Aang really fighting with the trio like yeah, a physical never. altercation yeah, yeah. but I think this because you know really... he could handle all of them but 
he's so ashamed in that point that he's like, yeah. I, I need to get beat up right now. And you think Sokka, like, his older brother kind of yeah. instinct kicked in. But I think also with Aang, he never, like, injures him. He just pushes him down. But I think at this point, it's like Sokka views Aang as a younger brother too. So it's like he's teaching him. He's not just, like, wailing on him, like, how dare you do this? But he's like... I told you we have to be careful. Kind of like I told you before. And it's like a fight between two brothers and like a sister. And I I saw that. And I think as much as it is a really sad scene, I think it shows how close they've also gotten to. Where Sokka doesn't leave Aang's side either. Like, you know, there's no like, we're leaving. Like, how could you do this? It's like, you messed up here. I told you so. Yeah. And I mean, this happens literally the... Next episode after Aang, you know, betrayed their trust. I know. You know? you know, it's nice. We saw in the beginning, Sokka had his negative scores. Yes. And then we saw Katara mess up with Jet. And now we see Aang. Yeah. It's... So, like, we see their flaws. But then because we see their flaws, everyone else is like, in the trio is, like, elevated a bit more. Yes. And I think there's a good balance. Reminder, they're just kids, y'all. I mean, they're, they're learning. They're, <laughs> they're learning. growing and learning. And finally, but then Aang does kind of have the, the trump card here when, man, he sees all the the kind of disabandoned, like, carelessness mm-hmm. that he showed, like, be alive and well in an adult in Animal Shell. Yeah, and I think that, of course, what Aang did to Katara was an accident, but also was very... Um, just irresponsible i feel like if ang didn't experience that he would have never like the it wouldn't have ticked for him that oh uh, zhao is the same way right right, and if i let him get out of control he's just gonna hurt himself and i think he was able to find that out when he did the same thing so yeah and i get i think again it's one of these things where i'm like I didn't need Zhao to have this crazy backstory for me to really think he's a good character and a, and a great villain. But this is just like takes the cake. Oh like, my god, yes. It just makes the so history much sense. behind yeah. Zhang Zhang and Zhao. And oh my god, he is so prideful. But at the same time, we finally see a part of Admiral Zhao, like an insecurity of his. That yeah. he wasn't good enough to continue learning with, with, with Zhang Zhang. Yeah, and yeah. of course... Admiral Zhao is the one who kind of leaves the situation but at the same time he leaves out of I guess insecurity and thinking he's not going to be good enough so he needs to walk away situation and he's so power driven that he's Mm -hmm. like the mastering firebending for the sake of it without having some kind of ulterior motive attached is useless to him yeah episode 17 starts off with the trio taking a detour and going to the northern air temple where they meet Teo and his father. Aang is shocked and doesn't like how much the temple has changed. And in order to cheer him up, Teo takes him to a part of the temple where he believes has not been touched. However, this is far from the truth when it's revealed that Teo's father has been hiding and inventing Fire Nation weapons. As the Fire Nation comes to pick up these weapons, Aang declares war against them. And with the help of the trio and all of the people residing in the temple, they win. Now for some quotes. Aang, that's not flying, that's gliding. There's no spirit. Another quote from Aang. And the machinist. Do you know what you did? You destroyed something sacred for a stupid bathhouse. 
Well, people here are starting to stink. The machinist. Build a new life for my son in the air. Then everyone would be on equal ground. Um, Aang is not happy. Aang is really, really not happy. Yeah, it's, uh, man, it's, Aang can catch a break here. I think, <laughs> like, he goes to these um, ancient temples and it's the ultimate bait and switch for him, I think, at first because he's like, there's life there and um, there's there's hope. That means there's hope that there's airbenders there and you even see people flying and Katara and Aang immediately have, like, Aang sees it immediately when they see the people and when she sees Te- uh, Teo flying that... They're like, oh, they're not airbenders, mm-hmm. they're pretending. And then Katara is still amazed by them. And so it's just a sad state of affairs for Aang because he's still looking for any remnants of his people, specifically that there's any airbender life still left. Yeah. And I think if it wasn't for the case that like he was ho- too hopeful, like I think he was just really hopeful that there was. If it wasn't, if he wasn't as hopeful, I think he would have taken this situation not as bad. Yeah, and I think he kind of throws out he he throws out hope that there's any airbenders left after this happens. Yeah. But there's still good things to happen, like meeting Teo and the Machinist is, I think, overall positive for him. But mm-hmm. I think uh, looking for other airbenders is um, kind of a lost cause after this episode. Yeah, and I think it just hits him even more when he sees huge chunks of this wonderful air temple that he's known for so long kind of get reinvented. Yes. And it just... And, and they're kind of, it's kind of ugly too. Let, let's it is. Expect, yeah. But I think it just shows that like he's not... He's... It's really hard for him to let go. Mm. Because I'm sure if the air temple... Like if there are airbenders, they would have redone the temple. They would have advanced after a hundred years. But because Aang is not from that time period and Aang hasn't seen that growth because there are no airbenders left, he just takes it as this is super, super disrespectful, which I think a part of it is. Yeah. But I think in the end, we come to see that it's like it's an empty home. We're real rebuilding now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's, while I agree with like um, kind of half your point there about the airbenders themselves, the air nomads would have changed some things there. I think Aang is kind of... Um, the bigger point, I think, is because all the technology and all the kind of pollution there, oh, that yeah. goes against the kind of naturalistic airbender code, right? Yes. We even see this when Tenzin makes his uh, new um, Air Temple Island, right, in Legend of Korra, how it's very minimal and is very monkish in a lot of ways with lack of uh, with a lack of machinery. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's not what Aang intended to see and like wanted to see when it came to the advance of the Air Temples, but... I think it just hurt him even more because he had this inner hope that they were going to be there. Yeah. that's. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's based and on. And we see and in the beginning. Life. Yeah. He's like, they're not flying. They're gliding. Yeah. They have no spirit. Yes. Which is... I, oh. ugh, that's so... And it, I, I think Anne yeah. comes around. Anne comes around, which is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It's not the typical spirit. It's not the, the, the kind of traditional spirit that he's used to from the Air Nomads. But the fact that these machines have helped this kid enjoy a new life, a new form of transportation is a beautiful thing for spirit. Yes. Now some more quotes from the episode. The Machinist. And And Aang. We're just in the process of improving upon what's already here. After all, isn't that what nature does? Nature knows where to stop. Unfortunately, 
progress has a way of getting away from us. A. We have something they don't. Air power. We control the sky. That's something that Fire Nation can't do. Another quote from A. You know what? I'm really glad you guys live here now. Maybe you weren't born here, but you found this empty shell and made it your home. And now you protect each other. The last quote is, I think, a really beautiful kind of, the kind of come around that we were talking about mm-hmm. from Aang. Aang uh, believes in preserving life. Yes. And so for these people, these refugees, again, to find a new home in an empty shell, in an empty kind of building, that's what he realizes is the most important. Yeah. I, I really like this like 180 for him. Yeah. He kind of realizes after the whole battle, he's like, you know what? Like, yes, this is not what I expected, but ultimately you guys are living here because you want to be protected and away from the Fire Nation. Right. And I think the idea of preserving life is the priority for Aang. And so he's like, you guys are just, you just found this empty home and now you guys are living here and you guys are thriving and that's amazing. And I think, yeah, I really like this for Aang. This is like a really loaded episode, right? Because in the Machinist and Aang's conversation here, the machinist, uh, Aang goes, nature knows where to stop. Yeah. Or nature knows when to stop, where to stop. And that's, I mean, that's a really powerful, beautiful thing. And this is, Aang really, he's such a man of principle and mm-hmm. virtue. Um, that's in, that's really inspirational to watch. And the machinist, the ever pragmatic adult who knows mm-hmm. the reality of the situation says, sometimes progress is a way of getting away from us. And this is such a loaded episode because, I mean, the machinist and Sokka essentially saved the day. By um, kind of inventing that war balloon yes. that will drop oil, hot oil, and and smells on uh, on the invading Fire Nation army, which already has like these climbing tanks that are terrifying mm-hmm. as well. But the idea of progress getting away from us, the Fire Nation immediately find the war balloon and reproduce it a million times over to help them try and win the war. So technology cannot be stopped, as we know from our everyday lives, but. What the machinist and Sokka create for uh, the winning of the battle here to control the air, as Sokka says, is used immediately against them by the Fire Nation when they take over the tech. Yeah, I totally agree. And a, a quote we didn't add was one from one of the Fire Generals who basically said, we have lost this battle for many victories to come. Yes. Something like that um, at the end because they find the war balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... There's just there's so much in this episode that we don't really realize has a huge influence on the things to come, um, and I think that also has to do with understanding that there are people there that are reluctantly helping the Fire Nation out of fear, and this is I feel like the first time we see that there is a difference between like being submissive and like just staying in your own lane. Like the earthbenders who just didn't earthbend. Yeah. Or this case where they are proactively helping the Fire Nation because of fear. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is the first time we see that. Yeah, I mean, when the machinist again, when the the temple door opens up, right? The oh airbending door opens yeah. up. And Teo is trying to show Aang this beautiful thing. Teo hasn't seen what's inside. We all think it's gonna be a beautiful art um, relic from the air nomads, mm-hmm. and it's all Fire Nation paraphernalia, right? It's so horrifying. And then the machinist father sheepishly comes inside and says, like, you don't understand. 
I'm, I'm forced to do this. I'm forced to live this life. And it's not all like technological marvel. Like this is being used for the enemy for yeah. to completely oppress and destroy the entire world. Yeah. And I think it shines light to the ugly reality. It's wartime shit. Yeah. yeah. And of the father, like as an adult, this is what he had to do to survive, right, to right, right. keep the people safe. And as much as it's wrong, he didn't have anyone else to protect him to not do this and i think that's why when ang and the trio come they are protected by them yeah in some way and i think that instills hope in them again that yes um there will be times when we are controlled and they're in fear but ang brought them hope again yeah and i think the sad irony for the machinist is the minute he begins to invent something to try and fight back against the Fire Nation, yeah. it ends up being getting used against him again, maybe even more powerfully than ever before. Yeah. And so, I mean, the wartime stuff, the cost of war, as we say again and again, is that these, for the most part, good people are made are made to make these impossible choices and sometimes lead to the, the, the demise of their own. Yeah. That, on that sad-ass note, we're going to go into more deep dives of the episodes themselves. Starting off with the overall episodes, we have a lot of information that we want to talk about. Yes. So, for episode 15, I kind of want to talk about Sokka. We never really saw, I guess, his history in terms of the scars of war. Little baby Sokka. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in Katara and Sokka as like a family. They lost... Their mother, their father's at war, but you know, Katara was the one who kind of shared about it. Yeah, and yeah. even Sokka, he never talks about it. I yeah, don't think yeah. he ever, ever talks about it with anybody. But Katara always be talking about her. <laughs> my I necklace. lost her mother too. Yeah, my, my <laughs> necklace. Ah. But Sokka never talks about it. However, we see all these flashbacks come alive when he meets Bato. Because yes. I think it just triggers all these memories of Bato and his father leaving him. And he knows that it's because of war, but a part of him I know wishes that he went with these men. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think it was really nice to see his kind of struggles and hurts and understanding why he is the way he is. A lot of, I mean, that's the thing too, like, this is such an important growth episode for Sokka because when he's, when his dad refuses to take him on board, I think, yes... It's because he has to protect Katara and protect the tribe, but at the same time, it's because he wasn't old enough and he wasn't, he essentially, he wasn't man enough to, to go out to war yet. And so Sokka carries this with him that he wasn't man enough to help his father out oh, with all the other oh, men in the no. tribe. Yeah. But he really reinvents it, understands an elevated level of masculinity by protecting uh, Katara here and protecting even Aang here because yeah. he's like, well, my dad said it's still it's true is that where I'm needed most is right here with my new family. And I think that's a really yeah. beautiful thing to find out for Sokka. Yeah, and like we talked about a little bit before, I think that's why Sokka comes back to Aang. Yes. Yeah, and I think it, it goes two ways. Sokka is able to see that Aang has lost his whole entire family. Right, right, right. However, he also sees that, oh, Aang was insecure because he thought, Sok- he thought Sokka and Katara were going to leave him. And I think Sokka understands Aang's fear because he sees that, oh... Sokka and Katara already have their family. And which is why I think Sokka quotes it, you're our family too. And yeah. reiterating, you are a family that means we are going to stay together. And it's going to hurt you and us if we ever split ways. 
I mean, the empathy around the group is growing so incredibly. Yes. Like, I remember Sokka, when they first got to the, the air temple that, um, that Monkeyatsu was at. Yeah. Um, Sokka says, uh, let, how does, how does this airball thing work? Remember that? Cause like, mm. he, Aang was so sad. And mm-hmm. so he, for, for Bato to reconfirm that and like being away from my family is worse than like any wound I could have. Like, I think that's yeah. truly Sokka understanding this, this empathetic lens of like, what it feels like to be Aang. Yeah. A small piece of what it feels like to be Aang. And I think as much as he's had that, I guess, empathy towards him, it, it grew even more through time, especially in this episode, because if you think about it, in episode, like, the first episodes when he went to the, the Southern Air Temple, it's not like they had a dispute or anything. No. Yeah, but in yeah. this one, there was a clear error in Aang's choices. However, Sokka decides to look past that and see the emotional, why, like, the emotional response to why Aang did that. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think that that was an emotional growth for Sokka, too. Yeah. So we have a whole tab here just called fighting. Oh, my God. There's a lot of fighting in this episode. Oh, so much. First, Aang and Zuko fight scene. We have never seen them fight so close. Yeah. And it was so cool around the well. But I think it's because Aang has always dodged. Yes. However, Aang wants Katara's necklace back. So right. Aang is ready to... He doesn't really fight him, fight him. But he does dodge. And like using his airbending, he blows out the fire a lot. And it, this was really fun to see because we don't see this often. And this is the first time we see a very um, close-handed fight with Aang. Right. And you're right. It's usually evasion and to subdue the enemy like in the most le- the least violent way possible but mm-hmm. because Aang has the goal and the mission to get Katara's necklace back he fights a little different we yeah. get it I've been I played we talk about <laughs> all the time turkey turkey bowl basketball tournaments you gotta fight hard for them ladies <laughs> winning them hearts and necklaces all everywhere yeah. I see you Aang and we also see Aang waterbend so Aang. creative so creative because yeah. Zuko yeah, I mean it's weird because Zuko as soon as Aang jumps on there just pours the let the fire come down on the well and the Aang immediately on the other side. Yeah. Bop. Just makes the water mm-hmm. swim with the well. Remind me also of what he did with Jet with um, Katara and Aang water bending it out from under the ground. Right? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. But I think it's interesting because we've never seen Aang really fight with water. We we we've always seen yeah, him fight with right. air because that's his natural instinct. Right, right. But then like, this is for my girl, Katara. <laughs> He's like, water! Uh, but this is the first time I think he uses water as a resource because it's first there and also it's just to combat the fire yes. really well. But I really like that. I think it was nice to see. Appa, the sheer shoe? They fight. They, they fight. This is a brutal fight, by the way. Yeah. First of all, don't fuck with Appa. Yeah. Sheer shoe, you have no eyes. You lose it. <laughs> uh, but the sheer shoe is... Uh, is pretty formidable because it has a tongue that'll paralyze you. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out Ty Lee, she coming up, but oh yes, Ty Lee. The fact that the Shushu can smell anything is terrifying, and smell and track any anybody is, is really terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's such a weird fight because Appa Appa is so much larger, but because of the paralyzing tongue, it's like it's pretty fair. Throughout. Yeah, but Appa does stand his ground for a while too, yes. and he kind of saves the situation when Appa and Aang come in firsthand um but it was interesting to see because this is a side of appa we don't really see no we just we don't. see appa right now as just f- 
the flying bison, just right, right, right. helping them travel. And he like yell at people or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Okay, I need to say this. Shout out June. She's hot. But how dare you fuck with Appa? How dare you whip Appa? June, you're out of my... Get out of here. People really like June online, but like I think they forget that she whips Appa. Really? They like her? Yeah, people really like June. Well, I think they like her... She's like a badass. Yeah. She wins she just... in that arm wrestling. She mm-hmm. gets her money. And she's very... like. She about that WAP, but it's... <laughs> um. Yeah, I feel like she's just an independent woman who's just trying to live her life make that money i get it i get it woman but you cannot be whipping off <laughs> nobody touches yeah, yeah yeah for sure but i think she i feel bad for her in a sense because she has no idea what the hell's going on i know zuko actually doesn't tell her anything yeah she's like i just want to find this bald monk, monk and he's like, like okay and she just gets paid that's yeah, like yeah. it's just i'm gonna get paid she so gets i'm gonna money. get my yeah, job yeah. done and she does her job but she gets stuck in this fight and she's like what the hell is going on like my only job was to find this monk that's it now i can walk away but now they're stuck in this huge fight so she needs to fight you know i will say christian she's actively taking bounties at a bar i think <laughs> she's probably used to being like maybe some of these bounties are, have fights attached to them yeah in proximity, I, guess. Right? I guess i think she probably is a pretty is, big fight this guy was like a firebending scar face come through and she, she's like i'll probably get in some trouble <laughs> There's okay. no yes. no excuse fair. for animal abuse. Okay, fair, fair, fair. But she, you just look kind of hot. As Uncle Iroh can do Okay, Uncle Iroh, other than, you know, perving a little bit over June. Oh, no, I did that's not fine, like that. That's fine, that's fine. A man has needs. I realize Uncle Iroh never fights Team Avatar at all. He never raises a fist against them. I don't think he fights at all. He just kind of tries to dodge everything and then yeah, yeah. he gets... Here, he's like, he, he steals some perfume instead yeah, of fighting. Yeah, he's walking yeah, yeah. around stealing perfume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's because... He knows it's Zuko's fight, but also I think he just knows he's so freaking good that if he were was to fight, he could have won the fight. Oh, for sure. If so Uncle like, was actually fighting, it'd be over. I think this is what we spoke about, I believe, last, last episode, where it's like, finding the Avatar gives Zuko hope. If I end this fight right now, Zuko's character progression ends right here. Yeah. And so Uncle Iroh is just like, this is just kind of like a... A simulation almost. You know, this is like Jumanji. Let me just help yeah, you yeah. out of it. Oh, yeah. And then he's just like smelling perfume and stealing yeah, that. Yeah, I which think is like, great. this is nice to see too that Uncle Iroh really, like, you see clearly that Uncle Iroh is not in favor of Zuko finding the Avatar in the sense where he's supposed to give him back to the Fire Lord. Sure. Um, but we really clearly see this that he has no desire to fight them at all. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to be here support, yeah. being Zuko's cheerleader on the side. And you be go, like, okay, nephew. Yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. Zuko. And if you're in immediate danger, I'm sure he would have stepped in. Sure. But he lets Zuko grow. Like, yeah, yeah. hands off and on the side. Learn and, for himself. Yeah, and then... But he also instills this security in Zuko that when things get really bad, yeah. I will be right here. Right. So... Just remember that, like that. Remember, remember that, friends and family. If I'm not paying you attention, it's because I want you to grow on yourself. Grow by yourself. <laughs> I'll be praying for you. Yeah, <laughs> praying for you. On the inside. It's, it's yeah. harder for me to not do anything. But. <laughs> yeah. Okay, at this point, Sokka wins this episode so hard. Oh and we're gonna my hit on God. it. We're going to hit on it later on the Power Rankings, but Sokka wins so handedly so. Like, so wholeheartedly is his victory. Uh, not only does he implement his father's advice perfectly and when, mm-hmm. he, needs, when he needs to kind of... Um, correct a friend's course right here 
But also, like, and this is like a little, you know, on the nose again, but the perfume strategy is obvious, but incredibly effective against uh, the, the sheer shoe yeah. kind of foe, which they haven't faced anything like that in the past. Mm-hmm. They haven't faced anyone probably as crafty as June either, right? But then they both defeat, Sokka defeats them by doing the strategy, war yeah. strategy again. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is also the first time we see no real, like, meditated planning. It's Sokka. Sokka just like kicks into war mode and he's like, look, if we keep on fighting like this, we're going to lose yeah. because of this Shishu. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. The Shishu is taking out one by taking yeah. us out one by one. And it's like, even if you were to bring him down, like, it's his tongue. It's not like, you know right, what right, I mean? Right. It's That's how he sees things. He's just yeah, so his I tongue think, in his nose. Yeah. yeah, Sokka did amazing. And I think we see later on in the episodes, he's, we forget that he's all this time he's probably been in the southern water water tribe he's been like trying to learn like right, right, war right. tactics and like all these like what if this happens what do we do what if it this just looks stupid because it was so hypothetical around yeah, like kids yeah, who are like yeah. four years old but, but like now mm. it's like he gets to put his brain to real-time use yeah and I, I really like this episode i think it highlighted Sokka in so many ways in that emotional growth and also just us realizing that Sokka has a lot of abilities that was just never put to use and it looked ridiculous. Like he was playing hero in his own tribe. Right. But in actuality, it was just preparing him for this adventure. Gotcha. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. Okay, and in the shortest, it doesn't hurt to be the Avatar relationship. Yes. Here. I did not write this. Christian has put a subheading subheading here it goes first kiss i know but this comes after on woo yeah right after yeah, woo. yeah katara can't help herself <laughs> but you know she I, reads I one take, fortune cookie. i didn't take this kiss as anything like no, i don't think serious. it was it was yeah. very light it was platonic you know but not That's, for a but for her yeah, she was yeah, like yeah. all this very sweet and it I was think, an ajima kiss bro it was like wow yeah it was a it was a real ajima kiss yeah, yeah. but it ain't nothing like what we see in Korra because they just hook up <laughs> in episode two you know mind you they're they're you know they're, they're, they're kids they're, yeah, yeah. you know their their uh hormones aren't raging yet yes quite yet not yet <laughs> not but, in Korra yeah you know what's so funny is that um when Aang is like kind of teasing that he has something she's like he's like uh He's like, oh, Zuko made me give made me give this to you. And Katara's like, oh, make sure you give him this as well. And then she pecks him on the cheek. But I'm like, even in their first kiss, Zuko is right in the center. <laughs> I'm like, Katara, hey, what the hell are you doing? Maybe you're, they, you're setting it up. Maybe they like to swing like that. I don't know. They're like, we need, we need that triangle here. I think for Aang, it, it diffuses the awkwardness if you were to just give it to him. Like, it's a good bit. You it's know, a good it, bit. I don't, it, think it, he just, I don't think he thought he'd get kissed there. No, but I think it's like, you know, if you think about like elementary school or like middle school, a guy's giving a gift to a girl. Like yeah, that's yeah. awkward in itself, I'm sure, for Aang because... Even if it's not awkward for Katara, yeah, yeah. Aang knows his heart and he's like, I have a crush on you and oh, I'm giving sure. you back this necklace and to diffuse this awkwardness, I'm going to bring this other party in. Just like in freaking elementary school or middle school when it's like, oh, my friend likes you. Like that person diffuses the situation and Zuko did that. Oof. <laughs> Fellas, here's some advice from your buddy Josh. Almost after 30 years of, of love, romance and life. If you have a crush on a girl and you want to get her a gift, give the gift to her best friend. <laughs> She'll, they won't even know what, what, it, what hit them 
and then you kind of spread the options a little bit. Just kidding. That's horrible advice. Give it to confess your love. <laughs> no. Chase your don't love. Do that. Yeah, don't don't do the first thing. No. But also, if you want to be sneaky, give it to the third best friend as well. Just just spread your play your play. You gotta play the options, baby. Play oh the numbers. God. I don't think that's how that's, it works. That's, that's a bad bad relationship corner. Also. This happens and Sokka says nothing. Like, of course, we don't really see anything. They, like, fly off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah. But Sokka's just doing his own thing. He's probably, like, resting and he's like, oh. Sokka's singing Masuki right now, dude. He's like, where is mine? I know. Well, uh, Sokka, we'll get there. Oh, we have some Sokka love corner coming oh up. God. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. okay. Episode okay. 16. The first time the group has to go undercover. Yes. With masks. They love masks, these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like it. I mean, of course... The mask wasn't their first choice. That's true. <laughs> and he got his like shirt kind of, I don't know what it is, like a um, a poncho kind of situation. He just put it over his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, while Katara and Sokka, out of nowhere, have these cloaks, these, these black cloaks. And they're just looking at... They look at so it. sus. It's... Yeah. And but also, Katara and Sokka need to stop wearing Water Tribe. Oh, no, I ain't for that. I ain't for that match. It's like, okay... You were literally the last airbender. Nobody dressed like that anymore. Eh? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Katar and Zaka, your enemies of the state that you're you're constantly in right now because yeah. you're wearing blue when everyone else does not wear blue out mm-hmm. of respect for their kingdom. So better disguises, y'all. Masks are a good first. start. But later on we see some really nice disguises. Yeah, yeah. Like their clothing change. I love when their clothing changes. Right, right. Um, but I really like this because we not only see a wanted poster, and yes. this is like big because we see that in Korra too. They always highlight on these wanted posters. Right, right, right. Um, we see Aang on this list, but we also see Zhang Zhang on there, and we see the blue spirit. The blue spirit. And it's so subtle. You wouldn't even think it's about like tuck, it. It's like tucked behind, right? Yes, it is tucked behind, but I think it's to show, like, to hint at us or... Some people probably n- never caught it, right, right. but just to hint, hey, don't forget the blue don't spirit. Don't forget, remember. Like, he's remember. still there because... So far, of course, the last episode we saw Zuko, but in this episode we don't see Zuko or Uncle Iroh at all. Sure. Yeah. 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 And even in episode seventeen, we don't see Zuko or Uncle Iroh. So. In the biz, we call that an Easter egg, kids. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next. Next point. Next point. Appa saves the day again. Uh, but he saves it so like he yeah. gets comes out of his way to save the day. Yes. You know. And like he's like Appa's like a like a four ton monster like. He just flies into like a really narrow corridor, yeah. picks everybody up. Like, Appa is the ultimate like uh, plot hole filler. Like it's yeah. just like you're in trouble. Aang has a bison whistle. Boom. Aang, Appa's there to save the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only that, he airbends with his tail and then like makes all the Fire Nation yes, soldiers yes, yes. Yeah, go uh, yeah. to leave. I think it was really nice because in the last episode we saw Appa fight, and now we see another progression with Appa too. Yeah. Appa's just the best. Appa gets all the... Appa's the real... Ding, ding, ding. He gets all the after state and power ranking. <laughs> yeah. Firebending. So much good firebending here. Yes. Um, when Aang is being taught by Zhang Zhang, it reminds me of the karate kid you wrote here. Yes. Okay, because of the breathing exercise, right? But also the whole time, freaking Aang is complaining about these poses and sure, breathing Sure, 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 sure. And then Zhang Zhang knows like this is just going to help him. It's a very wax on myself moment, but also Uncle Iroh brings up breathing as the essential element of fire yes. of fire bending as well. Uncle Iroh, and then eventually we'll see him later. But the Guru Patik says like the not only are the the separation of the different nations like like a fabrication, 
but the separation between the elements themselves are of fabrication as well. Yeah. Like all these elements are one, and that's how all these elements flow together in one mm-hmm. mind. And I think that was the mess. Like that is a huge message for this whole entire series. Yes. Like we are apart, but we aren't. Right. You know, right, right. we are. It's not about being apart. It's it's just we are different in our abilities, but we all come. We all are connected. Yes. So. Absolutely. Um. Angst and maturity around learning the bed, uh, learning the bending disciplines, and we talked about this in the past. But I mean, he's such a natural around air, and maybe air offers this lightheartedness that comes through with yeah, it. Yeah, and even if he were to like naturally just like air bend, it it won't hurt as much. You know, it's yes. like there's no. It's like you're just gonna get hit by this wind, and it will um, disappear. But right. not with fire, and I think he kind of forgets that, or not forgets. He doesn't even realize that. And this is a fun thing because Aang doesn't touch fire again until season three. Yeah. Which is like this is the only time we'll see a fireman for like forty episodes. Yeah. But it's an important step in that in that in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, Zhang Zhang, when Admiral Zhao comes to attack him with his troops, Zhang Zhang has some really powerful firebending. I've never seen it before. A fire, so good. Yeah, an an entire firewall that blocks off the entire like the impro- approaching mm-hmm. army. He's a true master, you know. I think the firewall technique itself is probably the most impressive thing I've seen firebending so far. Mm-hmm. Even even with Uncle Iroh's lightning bending, it's yeah. like on par with that. Because it, it's different with Uncle Iroh. It's like very small, yeah, but yeah, very strong. Sure. With Zhang Zhang, it's like strong and huge. Right. Like it's crazy big, and I think it's to show like he's able to make fire out of nothing. But also, he has so much discipline that he can create this barrier. But also, this barrier doesn't like destroy the whole forest. Yeah. He's able to control it so well. He sections it off right yeah. there. And we'll see, I mean, we'll see kind of a, a change in his attitude when he f- fights a part of the white, when he's a part of the white oh lotus. Oh my god, fighting. the white lotus. Great. Oh, we love the white lotus. Yes. But also, it's so jacked up because Admiral Zhao's like, no need to be afraid, my master doesn't fight anymore. And as soon as Admiral Zhao says that, Zhang Yong stops the fire. He's like, I think he's still so scarred by what a student has become that he's like, he never wants to fight yeah. again. Until the Avatar, and when Aang eventually mm-hmm. becomes the Avatar, like really fully embodied, kind of restores that mm-hmm. faith and, and then hope in it. Yeah, and I think also, Zhang Zhang makes like this crazy ball of fire that reminds me of the air ball that Aang makes yeah. and just disappears. I think that was so cool. I've never seen that. Zhang Zhang, he's he's in such a little part of the series, and yet he is responsible for so much of the cool bending we see from yes, Fire. Yes, 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 yes. Last. We, yeah, the last one was Katara's healing ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sub-skill of water bending that's become quite uh, popular and common in, in future episodes. Mm-hmm. This, is an insen- this is an essential part of the story from here on out. The fact that Katara can actually heal as well as protect and fight with water is one of the most essential skills for the, the entirety of Team Avatar. And I think it comes at a perfect time because last episode, Aang declares war. So he's fighting now. Like he's yes. actively fighting. They're undercover. So they're going to get into a lot more um, tro- a lot more altercations with people. And I think this is the first time we see a sub-skill of any element. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's because right now we still only seen 
we've just started to understand fire a little bit. And earthbending, we've seen like Haru like do that once, you know? And yeah. So, and we don't see any other, like, the, we see the swamp, the vines bending. Like, we see all of this later on. Later, later, but this yeah. is the first time we are like, oh, shoot. Like, the benders have, there are sub-levels of this. Yes. And I think it's so new to Katara. But obviously, when we go to the Northern Water Tribe, we see all the women. The masters, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the women are learning how to do this. Right. And I think... It's interesting, and it is also, it sheds light on the fact that Katara truly was the only airbender. I mean, not airbender. Waterbender. Katara, yeah. yeah, Katara was the only waterbender. And so she didn't know this sub-skill oh, sure, of yeah, waterbending yeah. because no one was able to teach her. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, she needed, like, a fancy scroll for her to learn the water with. Like, that's, like, a basic one yeah. move. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really, she had no help. Yeah. On to episode 17. This episode is so important, technological advancement. We talked about it in the past, like how when we were talking about how the air temples were raided in the first mm-hmm. place, because there's no technology. I think Aang's turnaround on technology here, even amidst um, tradition and maybe sometimes technology going too far, is what sets up Republic City in Korra. I think oh. his affinity for technology, like a, a growing affinity for it, and maybe an acknowledgement of it, an acceptance hmm. of it, is makes. Republic City, the technological marvel that it is, right? Mm. Because that's like Aang City. That's the Avatar City, right? Establishing the Avatar's image and where all nations can live together. This, I think, is such a huge game changer in terms of like how like the Industrial Revolution happens in the Avatar universe. And I think um, the Machinist is a huge part of it. But we see like as soon as like a new thing, a new uh, blueprint is made and a new proprietary technology is made... There's no stopping it, as you said before. Yeah. Progress just keeps on progressing. Yeah. Another thing is when um, when the machinist says, like, I wanted to create a new life for my son in the air so everyone could be on, on, on common ground, on fair ground, equal ground here again. I think, I mean, literally he means, like, the ground, and metaphorically he means, like, oh, like, I want my son to be normal again. But also the way that he talks is very uh, reminiscent of how the equalists talk in season one of Korra. Where they're like, mm-hmm. the benders have an unfair advantage. Yeah. We need to humble them and equal them. And that's why we're the equalists. We are the equalists because everyone deserves to be on. There's no no uh, preferential treatment. Uh-huh. We're equal yes. in that way. And oh, I thought I that's that. that how technology kind of even the odds against benders is something that this series will continue on and on to yeah. explore. And will really come to like the highest level of commentary in Legend of Korra. So I look forward yeah. to that. But I thought this was... Re- Anytime technology and machines are introduced, you have to pay attention because the creators are actively signaling us to be like, how does this world look more modernized? Where does bending and spirituality fit into this world? Oh, that, um, yeah, that's totally, I totally agree with that. I think this side is something that I feel like benders don't really acknowledge as right, much. Yeah. But it, even if you see... Aang's reaction to this technological improvement and Sokka's reaction is completely different. Yes. Sokka's like, this is amazing. Because even we come to see Sokka helps with the Hada balloon, yes. improve it, but it's it's because he's not a bender himself either. Like this is where he can grow in. And we come to see he learns how to fight with the sword. Yeah. He learns to invent things. He helps out in right. that way. And I think in that trio, it's a good balance for them to use bending and technology. But I also think at this time, 
We only see the Fire Nation actively use firebending and technology to um, instill fear and power. Yes. You're Even right. like right. the whole entire island that is in the middle of nowhere keeping these earthbenders, like that's a technological advancement of they, making they, uh, sure there's no earth. They've used it to make prisons. Yeah. Yeah. That's, they, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think why the fire nation really was able to take over yeah. they were insightful to see that yes fire nation like firebending it for them it's firebending is elite i guess yeah. but also they know that if they use technology it could become even powerful right so it was nice to see that it could be used for good but also in the same sense at this time the fire nation used it for really horrible things the fire nation <laughs> Oh man, yeah. that's okay. That Fire Nation is uh, has many problems, but you're right. They're very cunning and smart in that mm-hmm. one. The battle, the, the battle, battle that happened. This is the first time we see Aang wage like declares, "I am fighting the Fire Nation." Yes. This is interesting to see, and I think it really builds up from the last episodes where there is fights after fight, and then Aang's like, "Okay, like we can do this together." Right. But I don't think it's like. In this situation, I never see Aang fear that he's going to lose in any way. Natural leader, yeah. See, in, which is interesting to see because, um, yeah. That's what Aang, Aang is never, the fear doesn't come from battles themselves because even though he's not going to kill anyone, um, the fear has always come from how he can disappoint people like directly and yeah. personally. When it comes to the battle of it, like, as much as he's like a, as he's like a non-militant, non-violent person, he's a natural. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's really interesting to see because, but I totally agree when you said like his fear isn't really. It's connected to making sure people are safe. Yes. It's yeah. not really connected to no like ter- It's not a territorial thing. No. It's much more of a thing like hey, you're gonna hurt these people, then we're gonna fight. Right. And I think it's just that inner. Um, peace in him knowing that good always wins i guess like that mentality he has um but it was nice to see Aang really like stood his ground and i think this was really needed for these um non-benders to see that like hey it's possible to fight yes and it's nice to see because we see way before katara stands up for the earthbenders when Aang oh and, yeah yeah and when Aang and Sokka were kind of like hey this is not we got a jet they're like we gotta go on up on fire yeah. right now yeah it's it was interesting to see and i think katara kind of instills that too that like hey we got to save these people but also i think it's because it's kind of close to home for Aang. yes because for katara it's because she made the mistake she felt like she was the reason why he got caught. Why he got, why Haru got taken yeah. away. Yeah, and I think for Aang, it's like, this is like the last thing that's left of any kind of um, relationship that I can have with my past life. He almost like immediately adopted them as like new, as part of like this kind of Air Nation Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And we see them later on too. Yeah, I love Sokka and the machinist relationship. Yeah. Sokka really like kind of blooms. He does. I don't know what it is, but it's like, yes, he's friendly all the time, but with um, him, it's like they're proactively like growing together. They're like-minded in that yes, way. Yes, and I love to see that in Sokka. Sokka's like, I have found my people. Yes, creative and all that, like, mm-hmm. just, I think, uh, strategic in a lot of different yeah. ways as well. 
And on that note, Sokka's... Okay. <laughs> so we, we talk about them being kids a lot and the toll of war. There's the climax of this battle happens when they're flying the war balloon over. There's, uh, you know, kind of a point made about the natural gas things that are happening before. Natural gas, as many of you probably know, is terrifying, right? People can die from the odor, yes. the odorless killer, right? Um, Sokka kills so many people on that yes. mountainside. He's, we never talk about that. Though. We never talk about. Never. It. There's, I mean, they're fighting like, soldiers. Yeah, they're retreating. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh, they're leaving, and then Sokka, like. Saka might have killed a hundred soldiers in with a bomb there. Yeah. And I was like, because remember we're talking about how like Saka saved um, Aang Guitar from actually having blood on their hands. Saka and the machinists have much blood on their yes, hands. Yes, they do. And um, Saka just like yeah. I think Aang is really saved from that because yes. Saka is the Saka is a soldier. Aang is just trying to do his mission right, right, without right. hurting anybody. And yeah, we yeah. see that at the end too. Sokka's like, you must kill the Fire Lord. And he just like yes. goes and he, at and it. Yes, and he cuts the watermelon. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's um, to show that even though Sokka's a kid, there is a part of him that has grown up. Yes. And knows that death is inevitable. Look at us, six episodes in the Cabbage Corp podcast and Sokka's all grown up already. <laughs> We love our boy. He's making adult decisions, killing and murdering many people. It's, oh, it's no. awesome. But yeah, it's uh, Sokka, our big, our big man. Yeah, that is, it's it's interesting to see the trio like um, integrate more of war into their lives. Yes. In the beginning, yeah. it was like, hey, let's stay safe. Let's keep it down low. Let's just figure out our mission. But it's inevitable that they have to fight. But it's interesting to see, like, now I feel like they've gotten confident enough where the villages and the temples and the tribes that they encounter, if something happens, they're willing to fight by their right. side. Which is completely opposite to what happened in Kiyoshi Island. They ran away. They yeah. were like, we can't fight this fight. We need to leave. But now at this point, they're like, no, we're staying and we're fighting. Right. So. And not only are they more powerful now, but they can inspire the people in yes. proximity to them to, to fight back. And we see from this first book, by the third, fourth, we see all of them come back. Yes. Like we, it's so nice to see. And I think that's why... Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender never kind of died down because we see all these old characters come up once right. again. So, Oh, man. It's, it's, this is one of, one of my more favorite three-episode arcs that we've done. Yes. I think it's so loaded. It's really loaded. And it's interesting because it's coming near the end of book one. Yes. Yeah. I think it's... They're the build, the world building is at a breakneck speed, but at the same time, it's so fun. It's, it's such a fun watch. Who won the episode? Where do our power rankings stand? Yeah. Because um, for me, there's one answer for me on this one. But you, you give me your opinion. I think it's Sokka. What do you think? Who do you I think? think it's Sokka too. Oh, yes. We're on this together. This is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sokka's what is going tied on? with Aang. What is this? Sokka oh is God. tied with the last airbender, the avatar himself. Yes. With three points apiece. Yes. Yeah, so... That was really quick, but I think first episode... Uh, episode With uh, Bato. Yes. Episode 15, he grew so much emotionally. Yeah. And yeah. also, battle tactics. Right. Episode 16, he was just always... He protected Katara. Yeah. And he was just very neutral in the sense where he kind of... He was just there. Right. And he wasn't as active, but I think in the beginning and 
near towards the end, he was very... Um, Comes up big. Yeah. And then the last one, he was <laughs> super... He was really the reason why they won. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. was also the same thing for episode 15. He was the reason why. Jesus, Sokka. Just coming coming up huge. I know. Why? What is this? <laughs> Sokka's a good-ass character. That's, yeah. I think that's why it hurt us so much in the beginning. Like, you fucking pig yeah because we're like we, we know. know yeah we know you're such a good but he says some funny fire puns mm-hmm. he's making more well balanced yeah yeah well balanced character yeah i uh, really liked him and you know i'm always predisposed to give points to ang whenever i can but purposely so this were this was really tough these were tough episodes for ang yes especially the first one where he betrayed mm-hmm. Sokka and uh, katara's trust and yeah, that was sec- hard. yeah and uh as much as I think as great as it was that Aang kind of like allowed the new family to like coexist inside the temple and have life there I think what we said before was true which is like holds true it's like he's given up hope that there's that there mm, are more Avengers yes. left in the world yeah yeah that was nice um for the Avatar state I was wondering Roku coming yeah I don't I don't know I don't think that's Avatar state like, there's no we, glowing we, yeah there's just, no glowing but would we count the Kyoshi? Remember when Kyoshi comes out in uh, Kyoshi's trial later? But she would we tries. Count? Huh? Aang tries to. Remember, he dresses up as Kyoshi yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like, oh, I need to go but and you would, But you would count that as an Avatar state? I feel like I would because it was intentional. Okay. Well, actually, no, all the Avatar states are never really intentional. But in this case, it was never like. I really don't think Aang was expecting this to happen. No. No, I wouldn't consider Avatar State. Yeah. I would consider the Kyoshi one Avatar State. Because it was like a threat and more threatening. Yes. I feel like. They're about to like behead her. Behead her. Yes, yes, yes. So no Avatar yeah. State, We're which is nice yeah, because yeah. we have two war scenes, like two battle scenes, but Aang never goes into the Avatar That's State. That's great. Which is amazing. That's He's better. growing. He's growing. Oh boy. Okay. So Weird. Sokka. Again, one day Yeah, Sokka. Jeez. I can't believe it. What are we doing here? We're doing... He's doing well. Hey, maybe it's like... We're biased because he's a non-bender. And we're just like, hey, Sokka. Stop reminding us. Jesus Christ. I can fire Ben, Christian. No. (laughs) If you're a big fan of podcasts or want to just show some love and support to the CaptureCorp podcast, go sign up for Stitcher Premium today at stitcher.com slash premium for only $4.99 a month. With Stitcher Premium, you get access to ad-free episodes, comedy albums, and exclusive episodes from Stitcher. If you just want to check it out and you don't really know if it's for you, don't worry. If you use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout, you get a month free on us. So go check it out. Okay, so that is the end of episode 6. Make sure to go follow us on Instagram at CabbageCorpPod for daily, hourly, minutely <laughs> avatar memes from yes. Christian herself. Yes. Um, and we have one more episode, episode seven, where we will be covering the last three episodes of book one in Avatar, The Last Airbender. You, you think, think I am weak? weak? <laughs>